0: Section 2 of the Kerner Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in December 2019. Report of the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders. The Kerner Commission Report. Section 2 summary part two why did it happen chapter four the basic causes in addressing the question why did it happen we shift our focus from the local to the national scene from the particular events of the summer of 1967 to the factors within the society at large that created a mood of violence among many urban negroes these factors are complex and interacting they vary significantly in their effect from city to city and from year to year and the consequences of one disorder generating new grievances and new demands become the causes of the next thus was created the thicket of tension conflicting evidence and extreme opinions cited by the president despite these complexities certain fundamental matters are clear of these the most fundamental is the racial attitude and behavior of white americans toward black americans race prejudice has shaped our history decisively it now threatens to affect our future white racism is essentially responsible for the explosive mixture which has been accumulating in our cities since the end of world war two among the ingredients of this mixture are point pervasive discrimination and segregation in employment education and housing which have resulted in the continuing exclusion of great numbers of negroes from the benefits of economic progress point black in migration and white exodus which have produced the massive and growing concentrations of impoverished negroes in our major cities creating a growing crisis of deteriorating facilities and services and unmet human needs point the black ghettos where segregation and poverty converge on the young to destroy opportunity and enforce failure crime drug addiction dependency on welfare and bitterness and resentment against society in general and white society in particular are the result at the same time most whites and some negroes outside the ghetto have prospered to a degree unparalleled in the history of civilization through television and other media this affluence has been flaunted before the eyes of the negro poor and the jobless ghetto youth yet these facts alone cannot be said to have caused the disorders recently other powerful ingredients have begun to catalyze the mixture Point. Frustrated hopes are the residue of the unfulfilled expectations aroused by the great judicial and legislative victories of the civil rights movement and the dramatic struggle for equal rights in the south point a climate that tends toward approval and encouragement of violence as a form of protest has been created by white terrorism directed against nonviolent protest by the open defiance of law and federal authority by state and local officials resisting desegregation and by some protest groups engaging in civil disobedience who turn their backs on nonviolence, go beyond the constitutionally protected rights of petition and free assembly and resort to violence to attempt to compel alteration of laws and policies with which they disagree point the frustrations of powerlessness have led some negroes to the conviction that there is no effective alternative to violence as a means of achieving redress of grievances and of moving the system these frustrations are reflected in alienation and hostility toward the institutions of law and government and the white society which controls them and in the reach toward racial consciousness and solidarity reflected in the slogan black power Point, a new mood has sprung up among Negroes, particularly among the young, in which self-esteem and enhanced racial pride are replacing apathy and submission to the system. Point, the police are not merely a spark factor. To some Negroes, police have come to symbolize white power, white racism, and white repression. And the fact is that many police do reflect and express these white attitudes— The atmosphere of hostility and cynicism is reinforced by a widespread belief among Negroes in the existence of police brutality and in a double standard of justice and protection, one for Negroes and one for whites. To this point, we have attempted to identify the prime components of the explosive mixture. In the chapters that follow, we seek to analyze them in the perspective of history. Their meaning, however, is clear in the summer of 1967 we have seen in our cities a chain reaction of racial violence if we are heedless none of us shall escape the consequences chapter five rejection and protest an historical sketch The causes of recent racial disorders are embedded in a tangle of issues and circumstances social, economic, political, and psychological, which arise out of the historic pattern of Negro-white relations in America. In this chapter, we trace the pattern, identify the recurrent themes of Negro protest, and most importantly, provide a perspective on the protest activities of the present era. We describe the Negro's experience in America and the development of slavery as an institution. We show his persistent striving for equality in the face of rigidly maintained social, economic, and educational barriers and repeated mob violence. We portray the ebb and flow of the doctrinal tides, accommodation, separatism, and self-help, and their relationship to the current theme of black power. We conclude the black power advocates of today consciously feel that they are the most militant group in the negro protest movement yet they have retreated from a direct confrontation with american society on the issue of integration and by preaching separatism unconsciously function as an accommodation to white racism much of their economic program as well as their interest in negro history self-help racial solidarity and separation is reminiscent of booker t washington the rhetoric is different but the ideas are remarkably similar chapter six the formation of the racial ghettos footnote the term ghetto as used in this report refers to an area within a city characterized by poverty and acute social disorganization and inhabited by members of a racial or ethnic group under conditions of involuntary segregation End of footnote. throughout the twentieth century the negro population of the united states has been moving steadily from rural areas to urban and from south to north and west in nineteen ten ninety one percent of the nation's nine point eight million negroes lived in the south and only twenty seven percent of american negroes lived in cities of twenty five hundred persons or more between nineteen ten and nineteen sixty six the total negro population more than doubled reaching twenty one point five million and the number living in metropolitan areas rose more than fivefold from two point six million to fourteen point eight million the number outside the south rose elevenfold from eight hundred and eighty thousand to nine point seven million negro migration from the south has resulted from the expectation of thousands of new and highly paid jobs for unskilled workers in the north and the shift to mechanized farming in the south however the negro migration is small when compared to earlier waves of european immigrants even between 1960 and 1966 there were one point eight million immigrants from abroad compared to six hundred and thirteen thousand negroes who arrived in the north and the west from the south as a result of the growing number of negroes in urban areas natural increase has replaced migration as the primary source of negro population increase in the cities Nevertheless, Negro migration from the South will continue unless economic conditions there change dramatically. Basic data concerning Negro urbanization trends indicate that point, almost all Negro population growth, 98% from 1950 to 1966, is occurring within metropolitan areas, primarily within central cities. Footnote, A central city is the largest city of a standard metropolitan statistical area. That is, a metropolitan area containing at least one city of 50,000 or more inhabitants. End of footnote. Point. The vast majority of white population growth, 78% from 1960 to 1966, is occurring in suburban portions of metropolitan areas. Since 1960 white central city population has declined by 1.3 million point as a result central cities are becoming more heavily negro while the suburban fringes around them remain almost entirely white point the 12 largest central cities now contain over two-thirds of the negro population outside the south and one-third of the negro total in the united states Within the cities, Negroes have been excluded from white residential areas through discriminatory practices. Just as significant is the withdrawal of white families from, or their refusal to enter, neighborhoods where Negroes are moving or already residing. About 20% of the urban population of the United States changes residence every year. The refusal of whites to move into changing areas when vacancies occur means that the most vacancies eventually are occupied by Negroes. The result, according to a recent study, is that in 1960, the average segregation index for 207 of the largest United States cities was 862 in other words to create an unsegregated population district an average of over eighty six per cent of all negroes would have to change their place of residence within the city chapter seven unemployment family structure and social disorganization Although there have been gains in Negro income nationally, and a decline in the number of Negroes below the poverty level, the condition of Negroes in the central city remains in a state of crisis. Between 2 and 2.5 million Negroes, 16 to 20 percent of the total Negro population of all central cities, live in squalor and deprivation in ghetto neighborhoods employment is a key problem it not only controls the present for the negro american but in a most profound way it is creating the future as well yet despite continuing economic growth and declining national unemployment rates the unemployment rate for negroes in 1967 was more than double that for whites equally important is the undesirable nature of many jobs open to negroes and other minorities Negro men are more than three times as likely as white men to be in low-paying, unskilled, or service jobs. This concentration of male Negro employment at the lowest end of the occupational scale is the single most important cause of poverty among Negroes. In one study of low-income neighborhoods, the sub-employment rate, including both unemployment and underemployment, was about 33%, or eight point eight times greater than the overall unemployment rate for all united states workers employment problems aggravated by the constant arrival of new unemployed migrants many of them from depressed rural areas create persistent poverty in the ghetto In 1966, about 11.9% of the nation's whites and 40.6% of its non-whites were below the poverty level, defined by the Social Security Administration, currently $3,335 per year for an urban family of four. Over 40% of the non-whites below the poverty level live in the central cities. Employment problems have drastic social impact in the ghetto. Men who are chronically unemployed or employed in the lowest status jobs are often unable or unwilling to remain with their families. The handicap imposed on children growing up without fathers in an atmosphere of poverty and deprivation is increased as mothers are forced to work to provide support. The culture of poverty that results from unemployment and family breakup generates a system of ruthless, exploitative relationships within the ghetto. Prostitution, dope addiction, and crime create an environmental jungle characterized by personal insecurity and tension. Children growing up under such conditions are likely participants in civil disorder. Chapter 8. Conditions of Life in the Racial Ghetto A striking difference in environment from that of white, middle-class Americans profoundly influences the lives of residents of the ghetto. Crime rates, consistently higher than in other areas, create a pronounced sense of insecurity. For example, in one city, one low-income Negro district had 35 times as many serious crimes against persons as a high-income white district. Unless drastic steps are taken, the crime problems in poverty areas are likely to continue to multiply as the growing youth and rapid urbanization of the population outstrip police resources. Poor health and sanitation conditions in the ghetto result in higher mortality rates, a higher incidence of major diseases, and lower availability and utilization of medical services. The infant mortality rate for non-white babies under the age of one month is 58% higher than for whites. For one to 12 months, it is almost three times as high. The level of sanitation in the ghetto is far below that in high-income areas. Garbage collection is often inadequate. Of an estimated 14,000 cases of rat bite in the United States in 1965, most were in ghetto neighborhoods. Ghetto residents believe they are exploited by local merchants and evidence substantiates some of these beliefs. A study conducted in one city by the Federal Trade Commission showed that distinctly higher prices were charged for goods sold in ghetto stores than in other areas. Lack of knowledge regarding credit purchasing creates special pitfalls for the disadvantaged, In many states, garnishment practices compound these difficulties by allowing creditors to deprive individuals of their wages without hearing or trial. Chapter 9. Comparing the Immigrant and Negro Experience In this chapter, we address ourselves to the fundamental question that many white Americans are asking. Why have so many Negroes, unlike the European immigrants, been unable to escape from the ghetto and from poverty? We believe the following factors play a part. Point. The maturing economy. When the European immigrants arrived, they gained an economic foothold by providing the unskilled labor needed by industry. Unlike the immigrant, the Negro migrant found little opportunity in the city. The economy, by then matured, had little use for the unskilled labor he had to offer. Point. The disability of race the structure of discrimination has stringently narrowed opportunities for the negro and restricted his prospects european immigrants suffered from discrimination but never so pervasively point entry into the political system the immigrants usually settled in rapidly growing cities with powerful and expanding political machines which traded economic advantages for political support ward-level grievance machinery as well as personal representation enabled the immigrant to make his voice heard and his power felt by the time the negro arrived these political machines were no longer so powerful or so well equipped to provide jobs or other favors and in many cases were unwilling to share their influence with negroes point cultural factors coming from societies with a low standard of living and at a time when job aspirations were low the immigrants sensed little deprivation in being forced to take the less desirable and poorer paying jobs their large and cohesive families contributed to total income their vision of the future one that led to a life outside of the ghetto provided the incentive necessary to endure the present Although Negro men worked as hard as the immigrants, they were unable to support their families. The entrepreneurial opportunities had vanished. As a result of slavery and long periods of unemployment, the Negro family structure had become matriarchal. The males played a secondary and marginal family role, one which offered little compensation for their hard and unrewarding labor. Above all, segregation denied Negroes access to good jobs and the opportunity to leave the ghetto. For them, the future seemed to lead only to a dead end. Today, whites tend to exaggerate how well and quickly they escaped from poverty. The fact is that immigrants who came from rural backgrounds, as many Negroes do, are only now, after three generations, finally beginning to move into the middle class. By contrast, negroes began concentrating in the city less than two generations ago and under much less favorable conditions. Although some negroes have escaped poverty, few have been able to escape the urban ghetto. End of section two